Welcome to Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to serve God and your neighbor. If you want to learn more about our ministry, head over to mapc.com. If you're looking for a community where you can deepen your faith, we invite you to join us every Sunday at 1030 online or in person. The Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 25, beginning with verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven will look like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a shout, Look, here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet. And the door was shut. Later the other bridesmaids came, also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Excuse me. Dear God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and redeemer. Amen. I'm not comfortable with the idea of ten bridesmaids waiting for the singular groom. It feels a little too much like an episode of The Bachelor. (laughs) But it's a parable, and it's in Scripture, and so I believe it's worth struggling with because it can teach us about our faith. And faith enriches our lives and shapes our understanding of the world. Of the ten, five are foolish and five are wise. The only difference among them is that the foolish decided not to bring any extra oil with them, whereas the wise did. Aside from that, they share everything else in common. They all have lamps, and when the bridegroom is delayed, they all become drowsy and fall asleep. The only difference is that some of them brought oil and others didn't. Why didn't the foolish bring any extra oil? Did they think that their wait would be short? An extra oil unnecessary? Did they grab their lamps in such excitement that they totally forgot, so zealous for the possibility of the groom being on their way that they just didn't think of it? We know that it wasn't because they were too poor to purchase extra oil because they go and they purchase some later, when it's too late, unfortunately. But why didn't they bring any extra oil? 
Or why didn't they at least purchase extra oil at any point before the bridegroom's long-anticipated arrival? It's interesting to think about, and it's important because they are the ones who are not to be emulated. We would be wise to learn from their folly. We must not do what they do. The wise brought extra oil. It's what sets them apart. They were people who prepared for the future, perhaps even for the worst-case scenario. Or perhaps they thought to themselves, why not? How hard would it be to bring some extra oil? Whereas the foolish might have been really zealous, and sometimes zealousness can lead to impetuousness, and impetuousness can lead to foolishness, the wise had the wherewithal to bring extra oil with them. And it became necessary. Had the bridegroom arrived when they expected him, none of this would have mattered, but the bridegroom is delayed. He took longer than expected, so long that the bridesmaids, all of them, became drowsy and slept. And at about midnight, when he was least expected to show up at this late, unanticipated hour, the foolish bridesmaids found themselves with no oil. I love the New Testament. I have built my entire life upon it. But I love reading the Old Testament. So much of it was written during the Babylonian captivity, and it's addressed to a people who believed that their lives were not as they were meant to be. So much of the Old Testament, which is written during a period of captivity or exile, is written for a people who are longing and anticipating something that they believe was promised for them. A better life, absent of the challenges that they were facing at the time. And I believe that the Old Testament is a bit like the world in which we live today which is a period in which we long and wait and anticipated the coming again of the Savior. We can recall Abraham and Sarah waiting for the child that they so longed, hoped, and anticipated. And we see in them how waiting can bring challenge and temptation, maybe even desperation and doubt. We see in the Israelites as they are in exile and captivity, waiting to return to the land that they were promised in the Old Testament, a people who cry out to God as they do in the Psalms, How long, O Lord? Well, we have to remember what we had. When can we return to that and experience something better? Is that a prayer that feels familiar to you? Because we're waiting too. Each of us probably waiting for various hopes and dreams, longings within us that we hope will come to be. And if not for you, then I hope you have a hope for the world that is not fully realized. This is probably how the bridesmaids felt when the bridegroom was delayed. And all of them, both the foolish and the wise, became drowsy and they fell asleep because waiting is hard. And as we see in Abraham and Sarah, as we see in the Israelites who were challenged as 
we probably know from ourselves, it's so easy to get diverted from the tasks we set off to do when we get delayed. We might even be like Abraham and Sarah and be tempted to take it into our own hands rather than being faithful to God's word and promise. All of them, the foolish and the wise, became drowsy and fell asleep because we're all, all too human. While the parable ends with a precaution, Jesus says, keep awake because you know neither the day nor the hour. We know that we should each be vigilant in a constant state of preparation as best as we are able. But none of the bridesmaids, realizing our humanness, are faulted for falling asleep. The foolish, however, are faulted. And they're faulted because they didn't have any extra oil. They were not prepared. A troubling aspect of this passage, one that I've wrestled with and may always be wrestling with, but I think I'll answer in a minute, is why didn't the wise share any of their extra oil with the foolish? In the epistles, we know that Paul approves of sharing. We know that Jesus, through some of his direct teachings and words, approves of sharing. It is a theme that is commended throughout the New Testament. Even in the Old Testament, we see that it is good to care. I remember when I was a little kid in elementary school, every summer I'd go to baseball camp, and the, whoever was leading the camp would say, sharing is caring, and caring is sharing. And so sharing's a good thing. And so as I consider this parable and why the wise didn't lend to the foolish, I've been wondering if oil is something, is oil representative of something that just cannot be shared? It's a parable. Perhaps oil stands for something. And so I've come to the conclusion that oil is our faith. And faith is something that you may be able to share, but you share it only in hopes that they develop it for themselves. Vic, thank you so much for your word in action and the example of Rekha making a commitment for herself, and I know there are others, Sophie, and, and who have done this commitment as well who are here. People who have made a commitment for themselves. We can and certainly pray for others, and it's important and has meaning, but our faith, that which gives us strength, hope, guidance, that which provides understanding and courage with which to navigate the world. Faith needs to be our own. We baptize infants and adults. Bella and Evie are here as well. And this is what happens you get into names. There's so many people who have done this. And it's what I hope for my own daughter, Lila. We baptize infants and adults. But when we baptize infants, we hope that the faith we want to give them will become their own. And they'll be confirmed or later in life make that decision that my faith is theirs. Well, faith can be born out of community and family and gained from learning from others and emulating others. Faith is deeply personal. It belongs to us each individually. 
and it shapes us in the most profound ways. Faith is about our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And we must each have that relationship for ourselves. I know some people like and some people don't like sports analogies, but I'm going to use one now. In clutch moments, when the game is on the line, you can't borrow another person's preparation or experience. Roger Federer's lifetime of experience on the court does me no good, nor does Michael Jordan's or Tom Brady's. A particular athlete's time in the gym, and that can be transferred to a musician, a preacher, whatever your profession is, another person's preparation cannot be lent to anyone else when the clutch moment arrives. And so it is with faith. We need it for ourselves. And this isn't meant to leave anyone out to dry. It's a parable given so that people could learn. And so it's meant to encourage you and I to cultivate our faith and to help others do the same. And so I believe that this time of waiting and anticipation is a time of faithful anticipation, a time when our first priority must be to build our faith. And it's my hope and prayer that this church helps you do just that. And during the season of stewardship, I hope that you will help us do that for you and for others and for those who are not yet here. To be a place that strengthens faith in Jesus Christ, which amplifies who we are, what we are born with, and what we can do in this world. Your support makes a difference in people's lives. Faith, and the faith that I hope that you get during moments of worship here at Madison Avenue, in a Bible study, a concert, a youth, a children's event, through the outreach that we invite you to be a part of, whatever it might be, gives you a faith with which you can navigate your life day to day. The faith which gives wisdom and perspective will shape your life. I hope that we can build faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.